I'm Simone Paget, and welcome to We're Never Doing This Again, a podcast about sex, dating, and all of those weird and wonderful messy experiences that we have no desire to repeat. So I am super excited about today's guest. I have Trina Orchard. She's an associate professor and undergraduate chair at Western University in the School of Health Studies. And she's also a writer and has a memoir coming out really soon. Welcome, Trina. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. Um, So tell me about your book. I'm really excited about it. Well, I'm very glad you asked, Simone. <laughs> uh, book, the book is really exciting. It's I'm referring to it as a dating app memoir, which is what mm-hmm. it is. And it's sort of tracing, you know, the arc of my my experience from like a definitely like yabba dabba do Flintstone, you know, someone who you know has maybe three apps on her phone to really going headlong into the digital dating kind of landscape circa 2017. So the beginning of Me Too. And that sort of is the stage that the book sort of starts at and my my understanding of this strange, common, um, comedic, kind of scary, <laughs> exciting world begins. And so I look at different things to do with sexuality, you know, how are dating apps impacting it? What about relationships? Uh, what about feminism? Yeah. So one of the challenges just focusing specifically on uh, my experiences using the Bumble dating app, which was the first app that I ever tried. Uh, And then I sort of branch off into some other interesting observations that I've made about the impact of swipe culture on our lives, uh, you know, what we consider to be intimacy, how similar a lot of our experiences are, because we're using the same kind of platforms. And what might that mean going forward as like a society? And uh, it's it's funny, it's vulnerable, um, and it's a little bit poetic in places. And uh, I've read it out loud to a few people, and they've mm-hmm. said, "You have to make sure that this is an audio book because it's really, really enjoyable to listen to." Yeah. And so, so I've just finished up um, the final major chapter. I've just got the conclusion left, and then it goes out for review. And approximately a year from now, you should be able to buy it anywhere you buy books. That's so exciting. You're giving birth to a book baby. (laughs) Yes, I am. I have so many questions because you teach a lot of young people. And I remember you mentioning that some of their experiences were like eerily similar to your experiences. Like the, the experience of online dating culture doesn't necessarily change based on age. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's actually what one of the, you know, chapter four is called copy and paste. <laughs> and it begins with that, with that strange afternoon in my office when I was, you know, weeping and wailing and frustrated about, you know, the general fuckery and like, mm-hmm. why do they do this? And how, what, how am I, how are you ever supposed to cobble together something that, you know, feels and looks like a relationship that is something meaningful, you know, and uh, it was all new to me. And of course it was very common to, you know, Gen, Gen Zers who I teach yeah. and after I finished weeping and wailing and my student, she just looked at me. She's like, Trina, your experiences are identical to ours. And you seem really upset about it. And I said, yeah, and you don't. You yeah. Know? So there's 
big generation gap between us. I have 20 years of analog dating life and experience. A lot of that was really wild and fun and also very dangerous, connected with addictions issues. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> yeah, right? And uh, then looking at sort of what is available in the digital world and just, you know, before dating apps, you know, my dating life was like no one else's. And I realized when she said that, I was a little bit, I think, initially kind of offended. It's like, I don't want my sex life, my experiences of intimacy to be the same as a 20-year-old. That felt weird and embarrassing and wrong, like wildly wrong, you know? But it just really drives home how much of an impact using these very similar platforms, how it feeds into the way we communicate with one another. And, you know, we're talking all different ages. Yeah. And so that was a real eye-opening experience. And so in that chapter, I sort of unpack, okay, so what is going into the design of these apps, you know, looking mm-hmm. primarily at Bumble and Tinder and like doing sort of discourse analysis of some of their websites and relating it to my own experience, you know, um, how can we flesh out this sort of flattening of intimacy and yeah. think about, you know, what might it mean for, yeah. you know, relationships, you know, um, not that all of my experiences were identical to these, to my students, but, you know, so many of them are, and it just shows us what an impact these devices are having on how we treat one another. You know, what do you miss like most about pre-app dating? Because like I have, I have like my own thoughts, but like I, I've like recently fallen back in love with the idea of the phone call. Oh yes, yeah, yes. Well, the phone call, the phone call was a, a, an interesting part of of you know analog courtship because there was mm-hmm. simply only one phone in the house. Yep. Right. So you'd be like around the corner or down the stairs on this big, you know, beige cord. Or if you did happen to have a phone in your room, like you would be sometimes worried that somebody else would be listening. Right. Because it's not like you had yeah. your number. Or anyone who did it, like, wow, that's like rich. You know, who does that mm-hmm. have his own number? Um, and so it was a different like private public kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Like, it was sort of coveted in a different way, but also sort of on display for other people. They know when you got the phone call, they know when you disappear, they know by the look on your face, like, you know, he's just broken up with you or she's just broken up with you, whatever it may be. And um, in terms of things that, that I miss, I think I sort of miss, you know, just the randomness of happenstance and walking by someone, not that you still can't do this, but it just Mm -hmm. happens. So, so, so rarely, you know, walking by someone and making eye contact and like, hmm, you know, are yeah, you, you know, hot. Like, do you want to do something? But then, all of my analog stuff is also really tied up with alcohol for me, and I'm sober like ten and a half years now. So, you know, but part of me does kind of miss that rush of like going into a bar and just knowing like I just sit at the bar and just like kind of like barfly, like shit's gonna happen. Yeah, I just, I just know it, right? And there is a power with that. And I don't yeah. feel like even there's some complicated emotions about drinking and, and some of the sex stuff that happened from that. There was also a real sense of pride and accomplishment in knowing that, you know, I could make things happen when I, whenever I wanted to, basically. Yeah. And, it's some, 
really interesting that goes against kind of the idea of promiscuity, you know, casual sex, how we know, I know all of these terms are quite contested, but I think it's not, it's dishonest to sort of wipe that part of it out. And I think it was an interesting experience. Yeah, I it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because one of the guests I had on a few weeks ago, like we talked extensively about how she's also she's more recently sober um, and how like our experiences with um, like substances and booze and dating and sex and like how that changed. And like I relate to that just from being like a 20 something in Toronto and like going out and like having that. Yeah, that feeling of like kind of feminine power of whether it was healthy or not. I like the idea of walking walking into a room and being like, I I can like have my kind of pick of the litter here. Yeah. I was like yeah. slightly delusional, like delusionally confident, but it was still really fun. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, like there's no app equivalent of that. No, there's not because it's so it's like, you know, you're the independent sort of operator, right? It's all Mm -hmm. like, you know, you are, you are the source. And it's so much of it is is phone, right? It sort of remains in the phone or is dictated, um, waiting to hear back from them or, you know, you know, that sort of um, kind of despondency that's can be built into, you know, everything is hot and heavy at the beginning. And then within 48 hours, unmatch you or you you them and then you're just starting over and over and over and the volume of people that that we go through that is so different than in the past I mean not that I didn't go through my fair share of volume but it was different like I had to I have to work so much harder on dating apps for the return yeah like I find yeah the sheer amount of people is overwhelming to me whereas like even at my sort of peak kind of um, problematic phase of like working my way through like dating in person. Like you know, I'd ha- I'd be talking to a couple people, but they'd all be like fairly strong leads. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Now there seems like it's like if you look at it as sort of like almost like a sales funnel. There's like all this kind of like preliminary like filtering, mm-hmm. and it's that's like so time consuming. It's so time consuming and it's so precarious, right? It's like everyone is hanging on the edge of the next, right? Which is completely beyond your control, right? Yeah. And there's other factors that dictate how people are making decisions. Whereas in the past, I mean, not that it was uncomplicated, but in the past, it was usually a couple different factors and, you know, it was, it just, it was much simpler in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I agree. Have you, do you find like the kinds of dates you actually end up on with apps? Do you have like, do you find they're more weird or less weird than in-person dating? <laughs> or comparably? Um, like, like, you mean compared to like analog dates and stuff? Anal- yeah. Like, do you find like right. the, are you having better, qu- once you actually get to that point of like going on the date, are the mm. dates stranger, higher quality, lower quality? Like, have you noticed like a difference? Well, I think, I mean, it's, that's a, that's a complicated question to answer because in some regards, um, you know, you're strangers until you meet, right. You can know, you can know a little bit about someone, 
but that has very little bearing on the sensory nature of a physical interaction, right? We are animals. We smell, we look, you know, and either that person thought they were going to really turn you on and it's like, mm-mm, or, or you get surprised and you're like, oh, maybe I will take this like to like the next level. Um, so I think I'm, I think you're more likely to have weirder dates perhaps on dating apps because you don't really know anyone until you actually meet them. I mean, you can, if it's good if you have a few phone calls and stuff, I mean, it can be strange to interact with a stranger and, you know, a one night stand or whatever that can be kind of weird as well. But it seems like the motivations for that kind of exchange are a little different than actually deciding after all the back and forth on a dating app that you actually do want, want to meet. Like the stakes feel quite different. Um, Seems like certainly during. I mean, it was strange using these things during the pandemic. When will that be over? By the way, but um, <laughs> we're now in like season four. I don't know <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, so that certainly was interesting and also quite frustrating and lonely to experience. And it's for me, it caused me to get back with an ex that I, you know, probably really shouldn't have. But I was lonely and I was. And that was familiar. It wasn't necessarily always satisfying, but um, I will say that that did help in that moment. And I should also say that I haven't really used dating apps for almost a year because that's almost how long I've been seeing someone who I met on Twitter. And uh, I mean, I really feel like he lucked out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, totally. Yes, but um, in the sense that (laughs) I was only the second person who you met in person. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, oh boy, you have no idea. Right. And I'm I'm happy for him that he had no, no idea, but it just shows that sometimes it can happen like that. Sometimes you can sort of get lucky, I guess you could say, and not have to go through the trenches. Like I think you and I and millions of other people have Mm -hmm. gone through for, for years using these, these, these things. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but one of the things that he commented on was just how little women communicated with him. And just, it was just like, hi, just super short, really abbreviated kind of um, de- detracted kind of conversations, really. There wasn't really much there to hold him and they, they weren't seen, didn't seem all that interested in him or that's not how Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, so I've heard that from like one of my best friends, he's had like he's actually a really great communicator and he's been using like, I think Bumble and he's also done like some dating on Facebook through their dating functionality. And like, he's had, he's like, yeah, there's women will ask no questions, provide like one word answers. And yeah, it's hard to go from there. And he's actually been like, he's had some really like, he's been stood up like, mm. On dates, like, and it's just, it's mind boggling because he's actually like a catch. So, yeah, it's, I think it's, uh, we can't say like it's just men because oh, there's no. problems and across it's not the just board. Either, right. Like, I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are like, we just, bl- we blame the, the devices, right? Yeah. And of course, it's definitely dictating um, our, our behaviors. But I mean, it's also really exposing just how anemic our social discourse is about sexuality yeah. and how to incorporate how to incorporate digital culture into our lives in a way that is meaningful and not so objectifying and kind of mean and just like cancel right cancel culture like 
Yeah. You know, it's not just because we can do it doesn't mean that we should, you know, and it's not funny, right? Because a lot of people, they just, ha ha, oh, dating apps are terrible and all that kind of thing. And of course, like it's, you know, mm-hmm. need to laugh. Sometimes it's just like too fucking much, right? Yeah. But we kind of laugh it away and just sort of like look at, oh, juvenile, you know, it's juvenile and things like that. I think that a lot of those deep things that are kind of um, impacting dating apps, but don't really get that much coverage, they kind of get papered over. And some yeah. of the things that certainly my experience has revealed is just, you know, there's such misogyny there, right? Mm-hmm. There is such fear you know, often anger and that's that kind of very terrible behavior is connected with fear. And not that I have like, you know, a bleeding heart for misogynists, but I think we need to do so much more work in understanding where we're at because, you know, the war against women is real. Yeah. And other people, you know, levels of violence against trans folks and other people and women, as well as different groups of, of, of men as well. Um, you know, the society is not, is it's ill. Yeah. And until we sort of, and so that's kind of some of the things I try and sort of bring to the surface throughout mm-hmm. the book, you know? So it's, I think people might think, oh, a dating app memoir. Um, but rest assured, dear readers, uh, <laughs> there is more going on. And I think it's, it's not too scholarly, I don't think, but I, you know, we can yeah. all think about things in different ways and, you know, who knows, right? It might have a nice impact. At least that's, that's the goal. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be people who read it and see themselves in your experiences. Yeah. 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 Um, I have two questions. One, uh, Bumble. Mm -hmm. I, it's supposed to, it's marketed as like the sort of feminist dating app, but I've heard from like our previous conversations and like talking to like Nancy Jo Sales, who wrote, Mm -hmm. like also wrote a, a great book about online dating that it's not really as feminist or as like empowering as it sets out to be. And I was just wondering like what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, the idea sounds interesting and novel compared to the way that most mainstream platforms are structured. However, whether we like it or not, what I've certainly experienced time and time again was that men resent being waited, like waiting to act to be asked you know, and a lot of times, um, the way that women's first, you know, their first conversations, some of them are strong and some of them aren't. And, you know, a lot of men have said, Oh, they're talking to so many people at the same time, you know, this, you know, why doesn't anyone contact me, you know? And so in in my experience, I found that there was a lot of animosity on the Mm. part of men towards women kind of holding the cards and from their perspective, from some of the perspectives of men, you know, not playing the game right, you know, yeah. and, sort of, and lamenting, oh, you women want the power and you want all the, all the control. And like, you're so shitty at like, even trying to like take the lead in dating. Now, you know what it's like to be a guy, all these kinds of things. When I was critiquing Bumble in my very first kind of mm-hmm. you know, mainstream public scholarship article I mean the the hate from the men was just um it was extraordinary and it was about yeah. me being honest and it was about me complaining about things that in some ways they had experienced for quite some times in terms of being the dominant one to make that opening mm-hmm. comment but you know having women take the lead on a conversation is not that's not very novel yeah you know it can engender additional dating labor right? For women. Yeah. 
And, um, but the thing about Bumble that I find kind of compelling is that while I don't think the dating app is feminist in any way, shape or form, some of the other initiatives that the company sort of in, you know, writ large or at, at the macro level, mm-hmm. some of the things that they undertake, you know, like the fact that almost hundred percent of the workforce is female or female identifying and, you know, some of the support behind, you know, Black Lives Matter and other yeah. kinds of initiatives. They take, you know, full page ads in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, you know, using that trademark yellow color, right, to signal um, that this is a feminist cause or that feminists are paying attention to it in this sort of corporate dating app world. In my mind, that is really amazing, right? Yeah. But it's kind of, Bumble is is, is a complicated case. But yeah. I, I, I do think that, it, it, you know, it, um, it fails quite miserably as a feminist. (laughs) And, you know, for us, you know, sometimes you have to try something to see if it's going to work, right? You know, Whitney Wolf heard and the team at Bumble thought, oh, this is going to be great. And, you know, men are are ready for this, but they're not. And when you're launching it just a couple years after, like just before, you know, meet the Me Too movement, like Mm -hmm. I don't, that was well thought out. And, yeah. But you know, it, the bottom line for me is that I really felt that it created animosity between myself and a lot of the men on the dating app, which is obviously not conducive to yeah. an experience. Whereas Tinder, it's like both people are kind of like, there's lots of fuckery on Tinder, 100%. But oh, yeah. the design is more basic. And it's not like women get barraged with messages. That's always brought up with respect to Tinder. You know, you only get you know, if you've both matched, then okay, there is the opportunity for that person to message you. If you don't like them, you just delete them. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, it's, it's, you know, it's because it often compares itself or sets itself apart from Tinder in the sense that it's so much more streamlined. Women are so much more in control. Whereas I found my scariest and most unsettling conversations and experiences were on Bumble. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And for the people who are listening, who aren't super well-versed on Bumble, and let me just like correct me if I get this wrong, but it's um, it's an app that um, the women have to make the first move. You have to message men first. So yeah, and they they don't all respond, and that's one of the things that I like. I documented, you know, what my dating stats on Bumble, and almost half of the men didn't even respond. Right? Cool. So it kind of <laughs> yeah, it's like thanks. Uh, it just also made me question, like, why am I extending all this energy, like what's wrong with me, all of those things come to the surface too. But it's like the system is set up to make it harder for me. Is that's how, kind of how it felt, right? You know? Yeah. 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 And I like going back to what you were saying before, like I about sort of like the likelihood of having kind of awkward dates with people mm-hmm. that you meet online versus like meeting them in person and being able to like kind of test drive that chemistry. Like I find like for me, like when I meet someone, there's like smell plays like a part and like just those sort of basic like pheromones. But where? <laughs> but where is very important. Do you have like any like red flag footwear things that you'll like that's a well, hard pass? When I think of footwear, I think of this. This is like the kind of a hilarious example from my analog days. Like there was this guy who, I mean, 
he went to the same university as me, but I met him like in person at like a bar and whatever mm-hmm. was up together. Um, and then I like saw him, you know, let's say the Monday following at school and like, he's still hot, but my friend was like, shoes, shoes. And it was like, <laughs> like kind of old, like badass, like boat shoes that just were like all beat up and just really, um, just bad, you know, I mean, it didn't detract, but then from then on, it's mm-hmm. like, you just look at, at the shoes and if the shoes are questionable, it's, it's kind of the foundation, right? Yeah. Foundation. Like years ago, I um, went on a couple dates with this guy. We'll call him John. John was most definitely totally an alcoholic, but didn't realize it. Um, <laughs> I was like teetering close to like yeah. close to that point as well. And just more just like overconsumption but he like it it was pretty bad for me to like at that point be like whoa this person is drinking Mm -hmm. too much compared Mm -hmm. to how much I'm drinking and we met at a bar I think through a friend or like a co-worker and he kind of like to at the time he seemed kind of exotic to me because he looked like a boy band member like this is like (laughs) late early 2000s and he had like the sort of like frosted tips and like (laughs) shiny bar shirt and but he was really cute I just like that's not not my usual type and it, it definitely wasn't then but I was like okay like he had sort of a vibe and I was kind of into it and we went out on like a first date it was actually like really fun there was of course lots of booze involved but you know he I was like yeah he's it was summer he was hot I was like whatever mm-hmm. like this is fun yeah. and we hung out like a second time, like with my best friend, where we went to this other bar and, you know, he looked the same as he did like the the first two days. And then I worked at a mall at the time and he came into my work and he's like, my friend wants to like go on a double date with your friend. Like maybe we could all go for lunch. So he met me at my work with his like roommate who was like, seriously like he was probably like six feet and the roommate was like five feet so it was like this weird like mutt and jeff kind of scenario and he shows up to the date and like the frosted tips hadn't been gelled his hair was all flat he was wearing like a weird budweiser t-shirt jorts that were a little bit too short and all frayed (laughs) and then like socks with like aqua sandals and i was like <laughs> oh, no. you can't wear your up outfit already like you just can't yeah like i i don't know what this was it was like i was like i am not into day daytime john because daytime john <laughs> does not have his shit together and i was like wow and my friend was like are these even the same guys <laughs> Like I think so, but like they look really different. And do I want to know how how the date went? Um, it went okay, but it was it was weird. And you know, I eventually when I realized like he could he could not actually do anything sober, then Mm, yeah, right. I had to be like, dude, I can't you know hang out with you anymore. Yeah, he told me this like crazy story of like going to Winnipeg to visit his dad, drinking 24 beers with his friend, and then driving a truck in the woods and crashing into trees for fun. And I was like, 
and we're done. Like you're, you're officially like way more dysfunctional than I am. And my dysfunction level was like high. So right, right, right. like, but yeah, honestly it was the sock, the socks with sandals. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I can't do yeah. it. No, that's a hard pass for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. also jorts. Frayed, frayed, like uh, Tobias Funke, like never nude shorts. It was just weird. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other kind of red flags besides, mm. you know, besides being like um, having a lot of animosity towards women? Right. Well, I can certainly relate. Um, So I just refer to him. Well, I wrote a blog about this, this particular person and it's called what about the fart? So yeah. So we met at like a cute little cafe. He was a photographer lived, you know, not in London, further away, like pictures were nice. He's a little bit older. So sort of a little bit of a silver Fox Um, kids, fine, whatever. Um, the date was kind of odd in the sense that, you know, he was really keen to sort of like push some buttons and, you know, mm. demonstrate his uh, proficiency and his professionalism and that he's a big deal. And like, you are too, but not quite as big a deal as me. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe I am not competing with you. Um, and then it, it sort of, it came to the fore that he had never, he's never been outside of North America. Right. And I've traveled quite extensively. Yeah. But um, I mean, not that that's like, you know, a red flag necessarily at, at all, but the way mm-hmm. he just sort of um, was looking down on or trying, seemed to be sort of like looking down or criticizing some of the things I was saying or trying to kind of catch me and like, do you, do you really know what that means? Or are you just mm. not? Oh, 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 don't do that to me. Like, it's so demeaning. It's like, I'm yeah. Not- know and I know a few fucking things dude so let's just like <laughs> and uh so I was like I don't even know if I want to, to do anything with this person but I always invite people to my house because I like it um mm-hmm. I want to like show off my like design and my 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 world right and so I did back and I like I felt safe like I felt safe with this person even though I was not remotely turned on um so it's kind of strange to invite them back but I'm like well just like see how awesome I am and maybe it'll be like Maybe it'll like be better. So, and like I have like nothing to lose. So, yeah. And this I should is- add that your house actually looks, although I've never been there, it looks super yeah. cool. And you have all kinds of really cool furniture and yeah. like art. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, you know, came in sort of a little show around. And uh, I don't even think we kissed. I mean, I think he was intimating that he might want to. And still, I was like, no. You just, you're, it's just, I'm not feeling anything from you. Um, and when he was leaning down to put on his shoes, he farted. <laughs> and, you know, that is not necessarily the end of the world. And like, of course, we both ignored it. It's like, okay, bye. Ha ha. See ya. Um, but then, like, a day and a half later, I get a message from him saying, the fact that you don't have a car, because I didn't have a car at that point, mm-hmm. you don't have a car and that you have cats are definitely a drawback for me. However, uh, I find you very attractive and a good conversationalist. 
And I was like, what am I supposed to do with that? I got that when I was like getting my, my hair done and I was like showing like the girls in the salon, just like screaming. And so I was like kind of being a little bit like in a little bit of a bitchy mood or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just said, you know, this is interesting because, you know, for me, it's the fart that really is, you know, what's, you know, that definitely say no to a second date. And he's like, oh, I don't remember that. And he's like, it's surprising that, you know, I started off with such nice compliments to you and you're being mean to me. And I was like, Oh, you child. Yeah. So that. Ooh. Yeah. No, like, (laughs) yeah. I think I've like met versions of that guy. Yeah. It's just like, what do you actually want? Like you're obviously so uptight and you're trying to like, I don't know what you're looking for in terms of perfection or trying like, Mm -hmm. why would you try to poke holes in like point, point things out that you think is a deficiency or that I'm doing that might be suspect. Like that's just not a, like a pro anything kind of approach. You know, it's not, not, not kind or interesting. It sort of reflects some other things that, you know, I want nothing to do with. Yeah. And like, he literally thinks his farts don't stink or can't be heard or don't, don't exist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like I, like my experience with online dating has been a lot of the time, like the theme has been, I meet people I never would have met otherwise, but sometimes yes. for good reason. <laughs> True. Yeah. Like we never would have crossed paths in the wild. Like uh, some of these people, like, and oh, I never, and I found like, because there's always the chance that you could meet someone in person and you have more chemistry than you anticipated. Mm. Um, if you're feeling it like optimistic, like I'd go out with people being like, yeah, they're not my usual type, but like, yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I've ended up on some dates with people where I'm like, wow, if I'd met you in person, like, first of all, like, our, like, social lives do not, like, would never crisscross. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I found I was more willing to give people chances that I wouldn't, like, I would have rejected them right off the bat in public. Right. Yes. No, I think that's absolutely true. For, for me as well, because you know that a lot of people struggle to put together a good dating app profile. Why is beyond me. But, um, well, I guess there are some reasons, right? I think that men don't take selfies as much or they're less likely to go to a professional photographer, for instance, if they wanted to go that route to like, you know, really spiff up their their image and things like that. Um, I think there's actually more going on in terms of how men present themselves than they just can't do it. But uh, that has to do with how we think about men and love and relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think we often think it's easy for them, you know, and that sort of from their perspective, sex is less complicated than it is for women. And um, I'm not sure if that's really the case, right? I think it's quite different and equally complicated for all kinds of reasons that we don't really understand quite enough. And I think we need to understand one another, certainly a lot more to reduce a lot of the kinds of sticky and sort of potentially violent and unsatisfactory situations that we often end up in for sure. Um, but yes, no, I've definitely been like, oh, let's give it a whirl. You know, let's yeah. let's see. Let's see. You know, in part because you know that there's you can't bank on anything. So why not spread the net wide? Yeah. I once went on a date with a guy who even before the date 
he like sent me a message and he's like, um, just to let you know, I will not be able to pay for your wine tonight. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, cause he insisted we, like, he's like, we can meet at this pub. And I'm like, sure, that's fine. And I'm like, okay. Cause he's like, cause I'm super broke right now. I'm like, all right. Um, I can pay for my own wine. That's fine. Like sometimes I actually prefer it because then it's like, I don't owe anybody anything. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. He's like, yeah, I'm really glad you're not canceling because of what I said, because my guinea pig just died today and I really need this tonight. Well, is, is that real? Is that real? Who says that even if it's not real? Stop. I have a feeling like it's so sad and strange so sad. that it, right. it has true. to be real. And, I, and after meeting him, I'm like, yeah, that was real because this guy's super weird but like yeah it was just we we get to the bar and when i get to the bar i find out that he's sober and i'm like why did you agree to like meet me at the bar (laughs) we could have gone anywhere and he's and he's like no no it's it's cool it's cool i'm just gonna have tea and i'm like okay so things were already feeling like weird so i'm like i'm definitely having a drink because i yeah, if I have to, you know, sit here. And then I I have one glass of wine and then the waiter comes back and they're like, sir, would you like some more tea? And he's like, no, I'm good. And he just like throughout the date just kept on pouring like hot water. He just asked for more hot water for the same tea bag. So and then when the hot water ran out, he just like added milk. So he was drinking like this weird like tea milk. <laughs> Oh, the whole date, and I, and I was like, I was like, do you want me to buy you a tea? Like, I, I can. It's not a problem. He's like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, but yeah, there was like some other issues. Like he, first of all, like made some joke, quote unquote, jokes about Asian drivers. I'm like, uh, and then launched into like a whole tirade about how like the white man is like really the one who's being discriminated against. And I'm like, Oh shit. I was like, fuck, we're really going here. (laughs) So yeah, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And it was, it was bad. Um, And yeah, like online dating, like I don't think I would have interacted with that person or agreed to hang out with them otherwise. But, you know, sometimes it's worked in my favor. Like, I yeah. would have never met the person I'm seeing, ever. Yeah. You know, I mean, we live in different parts of the city, like, different circles for sure. Like, I just, I know I would have never, ever met him. And yeah. I'm, like, gaga for him. So I'm very grateful, yeah. right? That, yeah. You know, yeah. I feel, I feel like it's, it's kind of like a slot machine. Oh, it, well, that's exactly it. I mean, that's what a lot of the design is based on, right? In terms of the different algorithms, it's directly related to gambling. Like it literally is a gamble. It's not about, right? So many people have talked about that, that, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of a misnomer to refer to them as dating apps. They are they are connecting platforms. You yeah. know, how it is to date is really by and large dependent upon us, 
However, the way that these platforms are designed haven't really facilitated a lot of things that could be considered meaningful, interesting, and respectful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's a definite overlap there, but you know, we still don't talk that much about dating. I mean, in so many provinces, I mean, sex ed, what's that? Even that yeah. is, just, you know, it's about reproduction. It's about what not to do. It's about diseases. It's a totally binary situation. You've got boys and girls, which obviously does mm-hmm. not re- represent everybody. You know, there's very little discussion about pleasure, about power, about consent, sort of as it unfolds. Yeah bystander stuff like there's just so much that doesn't get covered that is so directly related to how we move through intimacy and sex and fun and kink and all of that and that needs to have so much more of a prominent space and I think Mm -hmm. that would really impact the design of things I know there are some more interesting inclusive platforms out there but I think those really are only accessible if you live in a really large city, usually, which I do not. You know, when I started yeah. using Bumble, it really ran, ran out of people. And that was like three years after it was launched. I mean, now I'm sure there's more people on it. But, um, you know, it, these really interesting sort of very sort of forward thinking, gen, you know, gender inclusive kind of things, um, space and the place that you use these apps also really dictates your experience as well. Yeah, like I, I this run into the same problem where there's a couple apps that, um, there's one called I think it's called Field, and yeah, yeah. it's supposed to be good, but I, I, I don't know. Like often, there's just not enough people on them in my small city. So, yeah, I was talking to a friend like about sexuality and how like it is a basic human function like our species literally depends on it and yet we don't teach people how to be good partners no because people are like so afraid of like talking about like body parts and and also afraid of talking about anything about beyond the confines of marriage Mm -hmm. which like yes uh only works about half the time and that's probably even less than that because so many people stay together for so many reasons, far beyond the ex- expiration date, right? Of, of a yeah. marriage. I mean, I'm not saying that marriage doesn't have a place that's not important, but you know, things are moving and they have been moving for a long time. And so it is incumbent upon us to talk about how to leave a relationship safely because yeah. I've been in, in an abusive relationship myself many years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took me years to leave for so many reasons. Yeah, right? but I was shame. I felt so much shame. I felt silenced. I felt like people just kept sh- shaking their head at me. Oh, when will she learn? Why is she always in all these terrible relationships? Oh, Trina, you know this kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, do you have any idea what I'm actually going through and the things that I carry around because I haven't yet had the courage or the will or the money to do in-depth uh, therapy? Um, you know, certainly a lot of things came undone after I was able to engage in that healing process. But, you know, I'm lucky, I'm privileged, I have access to those services. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't. But I mean, there's just a wealth of issues related to what online dating or dating apps are like, that is really nothing to do with dating apps, right? It really precedes it. Like we could all probably benefit from like large scale trauma therapy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Is yeah. like, I I know 
like men and women, more women, because I think we talk about it more. I'm sure there's men who have a lot of relationship trauma as well, or like family trauma, Mm -hmm. but they just don't talk about it as much. But like, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Like I, I think like if I was designing a species, like from scratch, like I would teach the beings of that species, like how to be a good partner so you can successfully procreate and like advance the species, but we don't teach that. And that's just so weird. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's dangerous not to just like, you know, 80s act up silence equals death. Right. And it's the same to, to take that, take, take away that. I mean, that's a very unique moment and very specific groups were impacted by that, but it extends into the whole globe of sexuality and our society. It's like just time's up. Like we need to address this for so many reasons, you know, so many reasons related to different aspects of suicide, mental health, you know, just how people feel about themselves in the world. Life is challenging enough, right? You know, and then life is short. Mm -hmm. Having space for pleasure and fun and play, you know, that doesn't have to cost a lot of money. But no, what, what we need to do to shift that dialogue is political will and also the willingness of educators and stuff like that to, to, to shift and for there to be resources. Yeah. To, to do that. Right. Yeah. And, and just less shame. Like yeah. it, there's just so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shame and silence keeps us, I think from having the kinds of sex mm-hmm. lives we really want and need and desire. So yeah. Yeah. I wrote an article a few months ago about um, like the TikTok trend amongst like Gen Z kids. I sound super old by saying that. <laughs> amongst Gen Z people um, of uh, vanilla shaming. Have you heard about that? Like no, I'm shaming no. it. There's, I don't know. It was like a trend on TikTok a few months ago where people were like creating kind of like meme like moments where it's like, Oh, if he doesn't choke you, he doesn't love you. Or if he does like vanilla sex is like not real sex and stuff. And yeah, I was just wondering if you had, if you'd heard anything like that from like your like students or mm-hmm. if it come up in your research or. Yeah. I mean, it, it has. And what has come up repeatedly is that there is a pressure to be sexually sophisticated. Mm. So, and that involves, you know, so much of that is borrowed from porn scripts Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of that is directed by male desire or male yep. just you know, role modeling and repeating what they see. And, you know, strangling in particular has become so common. And uh, there's no consent. And a mm-hmm. lot of young girls, you know, they don't say anything and, and, and other people um, because they think it's expected and it's what the other person desires. And perhaps it does also feel nice to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that desire to be sexually sophisticated, um, which a lot of young women talked about in terms of like really um, surrendering to male desire. And part of that yeah. surrender is often about being quiet when you don't want it or you don't like it. And the shame that is associated with these things happening when you're um, under the influence of different substances. That yeah. Really that really compounds the silence. Mm-hmm. And 
um, a lot of them are also nervous to go to a walking clinic or healthcare provider because they look at them and they think, oh, another Western student here after a, you know a party weekend because this because Western is a party school. Yeah, so we feel silenced at the social level because of the really negative image that a lot of students that is associated with students in this college yeah. town. And so that was really illuminating and really, and that made me feel really sad for them, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And I think for men, a lot of times they might not question what they see on porn, not necessarily because they think it's real, but because it looks powerful. Yeah. Right? Perhaps it looks like, and it sounds like the woman is enjoying herself, even if it doesn't really seem like that in real life when they're trying to do this on the weekend. Right. And because yeah. if there is sort of a, a pattern of, of silencing and also bro talk afterwards, right. Amongst friends and they're all doing the same thing. Why wouldn't you keep doing that? Right. Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone recently about this and how like a, quite a few years ago, I dated someone who was um, about six years younger than me. And like we were in bed and I was like, he was doing this thing that I call the finger blaster, which is basically <laughs> where they like take their finger. Like if you make like a middle finger, you can't see me because my camera's not working today. Um, basically you make a fist and put your finger up and then you like jam it into the other person. And it's basically mm-hmm. like you're the equivalent of like being punched repeatedly. Oh, in- I see. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but he- He's like, yeah, you like this. And I'm like, actually, I was like, sir, it sounds like you've been watching a lot of pornography. And he's like, yeah, but so have you. And I'm like, because you like it. I'm like, no, I really don't. And you clearly do not understand. You haven't like mastered how to like pay attention to women and like what they're actually saying versus like. Right. Right. They're just lying there, like (laughs) not making any noise. Like, yeah, that's probably not good for them, too, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. But again, those are things that, you know, it seems like it should be self-evident, but clearly it's not because your Mm -hmm. experience is not unique, even though it's really important. It's like, those are things that we hear time and time again. Yeah. Or a girl could be wincing or someone could be, you know, clearly expressing that they're in pain, but that is just all folded into or interpreted as, you know, acceptance or that is part of the turn on. Right. Because there's a lot of pilot porn out there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of like good porn too, but like it's yeah, not for sure. For a sure. lot of it you have to pay for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's time for my favorite part of the show a uh, rapid fire game of Fuck, Mary, Kill. And the theme today is uh, Degrassi High original recipe (laughs) Uh, because i know we're both like people of the 80s so here are the options fuck mary kill snake joey jeremiah and yik you right okay this is hard okay um (laughs) these are important decisions (laughs) (laughs) oh my god right Okay, um, let's say I would fuck Yick, marry Joey, and kill Snake. 
Okay. Yep. I would fuck Snake just based on the fact that his nickname is Snake. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm of, of sheer curiosity, although I would be tempted to marry him as well because I know in the later, like in the new series, like the one that Drake was on, he's yeah. like a teacher at the school and he'd have summers off. So that means like we would be able to travel together and stuff, but I'm not like, it would all depend on. Keep in mind, teachers don't make that much. So you oh, have to right. maybe rein in your global desires for travel, but okay. Okay. Here. I would kill Joey, even though he's cute. I think he's really kind of needy and kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would marry Yik Yu because he seems like the kind of guy who would launch like a super successful startup and then like sell it when it like has a great IPO. And we just like live like a sort of white lotus life. And (laughs) (laughs) he seems like he'd be really kind. So, well, okay. I think that is a really interesting, you know, sort of trio there for sure. I mean, anything White Lotus is desirable. Now, are you? Are we talking first or second season? Second season. Second season. Okay. I mean, like none of those relationships were super happy, but I could see it working for Yik, you and I. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I've obviously put way too much thought into this, but yeah. (laughs) But I think that that that's the same. That's the same answer that you gave last time we that we that we did this. So yeah. You're, you're solid in this. Yeah, I've I've thought about it. I've reconsidered it. And I've come back to the same answer. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I respect that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect time to wrap up. Um, Trina, where would you like to be found on the internet? Uh, well, I have a website, which is trinaorchard.com. And in terms of social media platforms, I spend most of my time on Instagram, which is just my first and last name. So T-R-E-E-N-A-O-R-C-H-A-R-D. Cool. And we can in there for like book updates and. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for recording again tonight with me. Um, For the people out there who aren't aware, this is the third time we've done this. So I'm hoping, (laughs) I'm hoping three times the charm. The things that you talk about are are important and they they really matter to me. And it's, yeah, so it's my pleasure. I'm Simone Paget and thank you for tuning in to We're Never Doing This Again. You can find me online at Simone underscore Paget on both Twitter and Instagram and follow the show at Never Again Pod on all platforms. Don't forget to subscribe and support the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. you have a crazy dating story, a wild breakup tale, or something else you want to get off your chest, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to neveragainpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on the socials to be featured on the show.